let's talk about books. Hey, Sarah, guess what? What? It is officially summer. It's been summer for like three weeks now. Okay, look, it's like 100% humidity outside. What do you want from me? Anyway, speaking of summer and how hot it is, it seems like the perfect time to discuss beach reads. What are the perfect beach reads and what makes a book a beach read anyway? Especially since we just talked about an amazing beach read, the quintessential feel-good romance, Red, White, and Royal Blue, last month, which I would highly recommend as a beach read, but... That said, what the heck actually makes a book a beach read, Sarah? That is an incredibly divisive question, Rachel. And I can't believe you would just like ask (laughs) me that at the beginning of the episode. Definitive definition right now, go. So I don't think there is a definitive definition. Different people think different things. I'm going to tell you what my opinion of what a beach read is. Give it to us. Okay. So to me, a beach read is about the mood of the book, not a specific genre. So I want a book that's fun and relatively light. I don't want, this is when I'm on a beach or on vacation or wherever I am, I don't want to read like an epic fantasy because like there's a lot of world building. It takes a lot of focus. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a book I can fly through. I can put down, I can pick it up and it's just fun. It doesn't stress me out from like all the stressful lives of the people in the book. It is just fun. I would totally agree with that. And that's pretty much how I define one. Yeah. I think that's pretty close to how I would define them as well. I think for a lot of people, when you say beat read, people think of, like I said, kind of the quintessential feel-good romance books. And I am I going that's to often what people think of. discuss romance because that is part of it for me, but that is not oh, all as of you it should. for me. But I agree. I think for me, Beach Read is a much broader kind of spectrum of books than just romance. Because to me, and I'm also the kind of crazy person who will take basically any book that I've just been wanting to read to the beach. But I'm especially looking for a book I'm really going to enjoy. Like I, when I'm thinking about what books I want to take to the beach or really on any vacation, it doesn't even have to be the beach. I want to pick out books that I've really been wanting to read or I think are going to be five star reads or just any kind of book that I think is going to totally capture me and I'm not going to want to put it down because I want really immersive, wonderful books when I'm on vacation. Yes. So do you want to jump into recommendations now? Yeah, if you've got recommendations, give them to me. Okay. So because I feel like beach reads are more of a feeling of a book than a specific genre, I'm going to recommend books from a couple different genres. I'm going to recommend a sci-fi, a fantasy, and a romance. Love it. Great. Do it. Okay, so I'm going to start with a sci-fi book. And it's kind of wild that we haven't talked about this book yet because we're both obsessed with it. But it is The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Yes. If you haven't read it yet, what are you doing? Just looking at it from the title page alone. Like, you know this is going to be a fun read. It's got, like, a very sort of 80s sci-fi TV show cover. It's a very fun cover. And the first time I read it, I was actually on vacation. I was camping. I am not a camping girl. I was on vacation the first time I read it, too. Oh, how fun. Because it's a perfect vacation read. It really is. Because it's super fun. So it's about the crew of a ship called the Wayfarer. And there's some plot 
that's not what matters here because what matters here is like plot who cares about plot (laughs) that's not to me there's like plot it's interesting it's good that's not what makes this book great what makes this book great are the characters the world building their interactions with each other it's like you're watching a super fun space opera on tv it's just fantastic i haven't read world building quite like this where there are lots of alien civilizations they're all interacting with each other and they really she really gets into like how these interactions would work and how people treat each other in this universe where it's not just humans and it's so good it really is excellent it's an excellent book it's the first book in a series and they're all good they're all really really good and they're not books that really have to be read in order, in my opinion, but no, you might as well all. start at the beginning because it's so good. And as soon as you read The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, you're going to be hooked on this series and on Becky Chambers. Yeah. And again, why haven't you read it yet? Oh, I thought you were talking to me. I was like, I just told you I've read it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Rachel, I'm literally <laughs> recommending this book right now. I've definitely read it. Sarah, read the book. <laughs> okay. So now... I'm going to go to my fantasy recommendation, and that is Kill the Farm Boy by Delilah S. Dawson and Kevin Hearn. I may have mentioned this one on the podcast before when I was reading it, um, but not when I'd finished it. So what this is, is let me just give you the premise off the top. There is a farm boy named Worstly. He is the chosen one. And things go real downhill for him really, really fast from there. Okay, but can we just take a moment (laughs) to talk about the play on Wesley and also just worst chose? Like, I'm not even having read the book. I'm just, yes. Yes, Worstly. His older brother was Bestly, I believe, um, but his older brother is no longer living because he went on a quest and... You know, things happen. And he didn't do his bestly. <laughs> but basically, he's supposed to, like, deal with this sinister necromancer. Um, like I said, things don't go well for Worsley very quickly. And this book is, like, pretty much not about Worsley. <laughs> it's about this cast of characters who come together. They're going on this adventure, including the uh, terrible necromancer Steve, who Worsley was supposed to sort of deal with. Okay, the names... The names. The names are very good. I need to good. read this book based solely off of the names. It's super good. A it's... chosen one named Worsley and a necromancer named Steve. Yes. yes. I'm in. It's a super fun book. It's especially good, I think, if you read a lot of fantasy because it's playing with a lot of classic fantasy tropes and turning them around. And it's just like, it's a very funny book. It's just a fun, fun read. I'm not going to get too into like the plot or who the characters it's following are because that's part of the fun of this is it goes in directions that fantasies do not generally go in Uh, and it's just a really fun book and while I do not read it while sitting on a beach I can totally imagine myself reading it sitting on a beach. Yeah that sounds like a really fun one. It is. Definitely recommend it. And then finally I'm going to end with a romance recommendation because while I because, don't think <laughs> I don't think beach reads are sl- solely romance, I will admit like if I'm going on vacation, I tend to like pick out more romances than non-romances because that's what I want to read when I'm on vacation. Just stuff that's fun, stuff that's light. And I know a lot of romances are going to work that way for me. Yeah. 
So I'm going to recommend a pretty new release that I just read, and that's Fix Her Up by Tessa Bailey. And first, I just, it's going to be a series. I've seen that one going around. It's going to be a series like pretty much all romances are. And I just want to tell you the name of the series because I just learned it when I was checking something on Goodreads, and it's so funny. The series is called Hot and Hammered. Oh my gosh. So obviously there's like a fix it up kind of element to this. But basically the premise is... Oh, is it like all the home improvement shows? Like a fixer upper kind of thing? A little, yes. So the premise is is Georgette Castle's family runs a home flipping business. Okay, yeah. And her childhood crush, whose name is Travis Ford, who became like a super successful baseball player, but then got an injury and had to retire, has come back like to the hometown and she's very interested and it's about them and it's just a very fun book part of the premise is like obviously home fixing is like an element it's not a super big element it's part of it's also like a play because like Georgette's life like many romance heroines is like not in a great place at the beginning and so a lot of it is also on personal improvement of herself who she wants to be and how she wants people to take her more seriously because as far as like quirky heroine jobs go, I think she wins. I wanted to give you just one guess for me. What do you think the quirkiest possible job for a romance novel heroine could be? Nail polish namer. She is a children's birthday party clown. Okay, also pretty quirky. I feel like I should get points for mine though. You get some points. And to answer the question that's obviously on your mind, do they ever make out while she's in clown makeup? You're going to have to read the book. I'm not going to tell you that. (laughs) Oh. Don't let that put you off, though. It's. No, I am. Sarah. (laughs) No. She wipes the makeup off, Rachel. I'll spoil it for you. The makeup gets wiped off. Okay. But. Okay. It's just, it's fun. And she's probably like, like a cute clown. She is. She's very cute. And I will say like many romances that I've read, I like the first one. A few chapters in, I figured out who the next books are going to be about. And I want those books now. Like I was equally or more excited about those characters. Like I was very excited about these characters, but I was like, as I'm reading, I'm like, I'm going to have to wait for a whole nother book to read about this like subplot that I'm super curious about. And as we've discussed before, whichever plot line I'm most excited is always the last one to get the book. The last so book. I figure I'm going to have to wait like, I don't know. There are only two characters that I immediately see getting a spinoff, but I'm probably going to have to wait like five books to get the one I want because <laughs> that's how these things work for me. Of course. Well, that sounds like a super cute book. It's very Minus cute. Minus the clown thing. The clown thing, like, it's not too much clown thing. It's a little clown thing. It's sort of weird. I was a little put off at first, but it's not off-putting once you're into the book. Like, the book makes up for it. I'll take your word for it. All right. While we're recommending awesome things to entertain people on vacation, I really think we've got to take a moment here and recommend another great podcast our listeners should be listening to. On the beach, for their morning commutes, when you're doing your laundry... I think I know exactly which one you're talking about. SFF yeah. SFF yeah. But I'm cheating. SFF yeah is a science fiction and fantasy. (laughs) You're really you're not gonna give me that at all. No, I'm giving you nothing for that. 
SFF Yeah is a science fiction and fantasy books podcast brought to you by Book Riot. The hosts, Sharifa and Jen, take on a new theme each week recommending science fiction and fantasy reads from epic fantasy to hard sci-fi to the many infinite subgenres of speculative fiction and beyond. And they talk about what's new, novel, and downright strange from the sci-fi and fantasy headlines. We love it and we know you will too. You can listen to SFF Yeah on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcatcher you choose to listen to podcasts on. All right, now it's my turn. I'm so excited. So, Sarah, you have a certain event coming up later this year, do you not? It's, I'm having trouble thinking of an event that's consuming my entire life. I can't life imagine what I it would be about. that would be taking up so much of all of our time. A wedding, perhaps? You know, that rings a little bit of a sounds, bell. I sounds might familiar? be getting married this year. You think year. you know something about that? Okay. I need to check my calendar. All right. Well, once you're done <laughs> checking your tra- calendar, you might also look because I believe you also are maybe going on a honeymoon to the beach after that? I am going to a honeymoon to the beach what after that. What a coincidence. So I am, in fact, looking for beach reads. <laughs> so you're in the market for some beach reads. Which means I thought... I am super in the market for beach reads. I thought my recommendations for beach reads should be tailored specifically for you. So these next three reads... Oh, I'm so excited. ...are not only recommendations for our lovely listeners, because I do think they are awesome books that people will generally like, but they are also ones that I have specifically handpicked for you. I don't believe you've read any of them, and I think... Thank you. ...you will enjoy all of them for some awesome beach reading. So... Like you, I've got kind of a smorgasbord of genres because we read widely regardless of genre, so I knew you would appreciate that. So, number one, romance, because as we discussed, you do like a good romance, and I do think it's good to have a romance on the beach. Like you said, it's kind of just fun and relaxing and like easy, and it's just a nice way to kick back, especially on a honeymoon. Who doesn't want to be reading a good romance on a honeymoon? So... The romance I'm going to recommend for you for your honeymoon is Faker by Sarah Smith, which is actually coming out in early October. So perfect timing. Perfect. (laughs) And I was going to ask if I would be able to wait to read these books. And you've like picked a book that I will not be able to read until after my wedding due to its No choice. Does not come out until October. I wasn't intentionally doing that, but in hindsight, I wish I'd done it for all of them. (laughs) (laughs) just to trap you so faker is about emmy eshivare who is mm, something of a professional faker i suppose you could say she works at a construction supply company and she is just constantly faking it at work where she pretends to be this totally in control girl boss around her mostly male colleagues and especially especially around her coworker, who she totally hates wink wink tate rasmussen totally hates yeah totally hates and wait what is what is this person's name tate tate rasmussen that is a heck of a name they both have quite the names it's good emmy eshivare and tate that's like rasmussen another thing that's something i love about romances too and but also something that drives me crazy is like the names nobody gets standard no. names yeah like no it's everyone's not, parents were the most imaginative. it's not like mary and joe Never. Not even Steve. Yep, you're going to have to read fantasy to read about Steve. Yeah, who knew? So the only way you could really, I guess, describe the relationship between Emmy and Tate as coworkers and as office mates, because by the way, they're also office mates, uh, 
would be of course they are um hostile would be the <laughs> only way you could really describe it and they just basically they don't get along at all the only time they kind of get along is when they're totally ignoring each other so obviously not the best work environment especially because emmy is 100% sure that tate hates her almost as much as she hates him but then when she falls on a construction site where they're building they're all volunteering their time to help out with this big charity project that the company is putting on and she falls off of a ladder and gets a concussion and who comes to the rescue to take her to the hospital but tate mr rasmussen he takes her to the hospital and stays with her during which they also realize that the reason she doesn't seem to be getting better is because she is having acute appendicitis and needs to have her appendix removed. So he stays with her during her stay at the hospital where where she's very like frightened and upset and then kind of helps take care of her a little bit after the procedure. And all of a sudden, as they start to talking more, she realizes maybe he's not as much of a jerk as she thought. So obviously this is our classic enemies to lovers trope going on and also yes. the co-workers who fall in love thing and it's interesting because obviously with enemies to lovers you know you have kind of a lot of the dramas at the beginning but other than all of that it's not a super dramatic book like and I don't necessarily mind that in a romance it's often a good thing but I feel like a lot of romances do yeah. really play that up and this one has you know all of the very hostile aggressive not liking each other at the beginning but other than that once they start yeah being actively interested in each other it calms down a lot like they're mostly just like trying to figure this whole thing out because he's not a very good communicator which is part of what led to all of the and also is like painfully shy which is part of what led to all of these issues in the first place and then of course they're co-workers so that's a concern and just like figuring this oh and then of course they can't you know be very intimate with each other since Emmy just had this surgery so they're both like trying to like be very hands off so anyway they've got all of those things going on and there is a little bit of drama at the end that they did play up quite a bit but overall it's just like this like kind of breezy cute little romance novel and I also thought you would particularly enjoy um the aspect of this woman working in a construction supply company because it's not dissimilar to um some of the work our family members do and also because you work in a very male-dominated field uh, in your day-to-day -day life so I thought there were a lot of aspects of this one that might appeal to you yeah your description is definitely like reminding me both of the hating game by Sally Thorne which I don't think you've no. read but it's like co-workers that hate each other and then also some of your other descriptions are reminding me like of the general vibe of like Jasmine Guillory's romance novel so it definitely sounds up my alley yeah, I think it definitely might be now moving on to a book I just finished and absolutely adored Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey so this is an adult contemporary fantasy I think is how I would describe it and you may have heard us mention Sarah Gailey before on this podcast I absolutely love them they're the author that wrote the American Hippo duology i thought it was the oh that's the name of the duology yeah. i was like i didn't think that was the name of the, the, fir the first book, book okay. is called um <laughs> oh my gosh what is the first book called river, river of, teeth. of teeth river of teeth and then taste of marrow is the second book i couldn't remember which one was the first book yes river of teeth is the first book and anyway that's also a great series but 
right now I'm talking about Magic for Liars, which is their newest book. It's the first book they've written since um, the American Hippo Duology, and it's so good, Sarah. It gave me, like, kind of Veronica Mars and Jessica Jones meet Carry On, like, grown-up Carry On in an adult fantasy novel vibes, like... Uh, yeah, I was gonna say if that good. doesn't catch your interest, I don't know what it, what will. So it's about this private investigator named Ivy Gamble, who at the beginning of the book is hired to come in and help solve a murder, which is a little unusual for several reasons. The first reason being that she doesn't really investigate murders; she's normally doing like you know cheating spouses kind of cases, the the typical PI work, you know. So that's a little odd. The other funny thing, though, is. She's being called in to investigate a murder at a magic school, Osthorne Academy for Young Mages, that just happens to be where her twin sister works as a teacher. So she's not surprised to learn about the existence of magic. She's known about it for a long time, but she herself has no magical powers. And she's called in to solve this mystery, the death of a staff member of the school in the library. A very, very gruesome death. I won't really describe it on here because it is... I will say there are a few parts of this book that get a little graphic which I know is not your favorite thing but it's not very much so I think I think you'll be able to tolerate it and the magical authorities have declared it an accident but the headmistress strongly suspects it was a murder see again very gruesome death but this isn't exactly Hogwarts and much to Ivy's disappointment when she arrives you know the halls are full of graffiti and students are running late to classes and (laughs) the teenage mages are wasting all their talents creating spells to pass around notes in class you know so it's It's not exactly the kind of magic she was hoping to see. But as she continues to dig deeper into the case and kind of craft this persona for herself as a mysterious PI, she realizes she is just completely out of her depth with all of this chosen one stuff and theoretical magic and, frankly, even the murder. And, yeah, it's just... I mean, it's so good. I love... Sarah Gailey to begin with that sounds really good yeah and I'm a big fan of fantasy I know you are too and I don't often get to read as much contemporary fantasy as I would like to and it's just such a neat genre and especially I think when authors have really interesting takes on magic systems that's often one of my favorite things to see particularly when you're dealing with a magic school because obviously then you're having to delve a little more deeply into the study of magic and how it works and even though they don't really get deep into like explaining it or anything because sometimes that does get a little too technical they do deal with it some and it's really really fascinating to see how she's envisioning this magic system working and I kind of hope yeah that they'll tackle this sort of world that they've started to build here again because it is so interesting although this in and of itself seems very clearly to me to be a standalone book But yeah, I think you will really, really love this. I know you love fantasy. I think this is the kind of book you could be totally swept away by. Like the the kind of book where you could spend way too long out on the beach reading it because you just can't put it down and then surprise you wind up sunburnt. Like that kind of book. That sounds so good. Yeah. So I highly recommend you bring that one with you for the honeymoon. Now, my final recommendation is another bit of a just total 90 degree turn from the others so the last book is a nonfiction book which 
might seem like a slightly weird kind of book to recommend for a beach read although as i said i am a very non-traditional beach reader i will take just about anything to the beach as long as i think it's going to be great yes and i do think that this one is going to be really great for you so let me tell you the title and then you may see why so this book which i also very recently read is called aloha rodeo three hawaiian cowboys the world's greatest rodeo and a hidden history of the american west by david woolman and julian smith I think I've heard of this book. I don't know anything you about it. You may have heard me talking name, about it. Though. And Oh, that is where I've heard of it. <laughs> Your primary source of bookish information. I mean, whenever we talk about where we find books, I'm like, yeah, I like, mostly Like, who told find me about this by, book? Like, oh, it's probably watching what Sarah. you're reading. Yeah. So, you may have surmised from the title at least part of why I'm recommending this because obviously, this is a book dealing a bit with Hawaiian history and you are going to Hawaii on your honeymoon so it makes it an even more appropriate beach read now you know this about me I'm a fan of well-written nonfiction books where you really learn something that you didn't even know you didn't know I always think that's a really really cool thing yeah and I think this is such a great example of that kind of book because I did not know that I didn't know about Hawaiian cowboys because I did not know there were Hawaiian cowboys, as is the case probably for most people. Like, I didn't know there were Hawaiian cowboys. I didn't know that they were around long before the cowboys that we generally think of here from the United States West, before they became a thing. I didn't know any of that. And so, like I said, since you're going to Hawaii for your honeymoon, I felt like this was especially appropriate to read a really awesome nonfiction book about a little piece of Hawaiian and American history that you probably know nothing about, Um, especially since it is the kind of book, again, that I think you can really get swept away with, which is the kind of book I'm always looking to find or bring or suggest for beach reads. Same. So to give a, a kind of a brief little bit of insight into what the book is about it tells the dual stories of the history of hawaii's cowboys alongside the rise of cowboys and the rodeo in cheyenne wyoming where they had just this massive rodeo competition in the late 1800s and early 1900s leading up to the massive rodeo of 1908 when three cowboys from hawaii went up against some of the toughest riders of the west and Probably, as you could guess, it deals a lot with colonialism and, you know, because it is going into a good bit of history with this as well, leading up to how cowboys came to be in Hawaii, why this, how cows were introduced to Hawaii, why this became a thing. And obviously, you know, as Hawaii was basically taken by force to become a territory and eventually a state of the United States, and it deals with racism because these three Hawaiian men were coming into a predominantly white rodeo competition and were not looked upon kindly especially once they started doing well and just generally you know the history of cattle herders and cowboys on the hawaiian islands and it's a relatively short book which i also think is a commendable thing in a beach read particularly a nonfiction one and it's just incredibly fascinating to boot so i think it would be a really really great one to take with you and read on the plane or read a little bit while you're out on the beach maybe between reading you know some some fiction books as well so I, I think this is definitely another one that you can get lost in it's not dry it's not long it's not at all boring and I think it would just be perfect for a day on the beach excellent I love those recommendations they all sound so good and I'll do my best to wait until October to read them <laughs> We'll we'll see if you can manage. I may have to give you some new recommendations right before you go. 
you may at least you know one of your recommendations will be safe yeah that's true you can't get to that one so i i mean i think we gave everybody some pretty good ideas for beach reads this summer you know regardless of what their tastes are i mean i personally feel like i'm set yeah and with that i want to give a big thank you to sahara sky for the use of our theme music never long time goes by from the album escapism and if you want to get in touch with us to share your own beach reads you can tweet at unassigned pod over on twitter email us at unassignedreadingpod at gmail.com or check out our website unassignedreadingpod.com later this month we'll be back with a book that i wouldn't generally classify as a beach read it's pretty dark and gritty but it's still very much worth your time that's right an unkindness of ghosts by rivers solomon that episode will be coming out on the 26th we hope you'll read along with us and tune in for the discussion now go read some books mm-hmm.